endures forever. So we're, we're blessed to know God and to avail yourself of his wisdom that can uh, flow through you freely and flow to you freely uh, as you go forth and, and uh, obey God. And I think obedience probably needs to be the word of the hour. And it's a good word all the time, but sometimes are a little more crucial than other times. And, of course, we're receiving from the prophecy about abundance. And abundance always implies of people who are in the will of God, and that means being obedient to God. And so we can never overemphasize obeying the Spirit of God. It's so easy. All you have to do is love God with all of your heart and look for his instruction. You know, seek him. Seek him when you have a need. Seek him on a daily basis. Seek him for the proper plan for your life. Seek him in all things and at all times. And he will direct your path. The Bible says if you acknowledge him in all of your ways. Not just when you have a need or you want something. But when you have to make a decision as to what job to take and when. You have to make a decision about friends or how to spend your time, how to spend your money. Seek him. In all your ways, acknowledge him as the source of your inspiration, the source of guidance and instruction. And the Bible says he'll surely direct you. So you won't make any mistakes in God. You won't have any failures in God because he loves you and he is here to ensure your success. He even empowers us by his Holy Spirit. Sometimes if you don't feel like you can or you don't want to, some people have stubborn wills. They are just determined to do things a certain way, and they don't want any interference with that. But you can just cry out to the Lord and just wait for the Holy Spirit and yield to the Spirit of God. It's, it's just really so easy. So for those of you who feel that you know things are hard for you, uh, I'm here to enlighten you. They are not. Jesus said to take his yoke upon you and learn about him. The thing is we haven't learned enough. You know, we haven't learned enough about the ways of the Lord. Because he says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And sometimes we just need to have rebellion broken over us so that we can let our wills free to obey the will of God and see where the will of God takes you. So why don't we do that right now? Father, we take authority over stubborn wills, resistant wills, that don't want to yield, don't want to do the will of God. Satan, we break your power over these people in the name of Jesus. And we decree and we declare that we are obedient children of God, we're servants of God, and we have wills to do your will. So, Father, we will to do your will right now. We have the will of God, we have the mind of God. We have the heart of God. And we thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. And that's a good thing. Amen. Amen. You need to always be yielded to God because that's the right way to go. It's always the right way to go. We want to be blessed, but God's interested in getting us there. You know, there's a process of getting to the place of blessing, and certainly he will get you there. So last month we were well the month before last we were talking about uh, the ruling ruling powers in, that reside in the third heaven 
And uh, so, I mean, sorry, in the second heaven. Uh, God is residing in what the Bible refers to as the third heaven. That's where the throne of God is. It is thought uh, that the second heaven was created by the Tower of Babel. And uh, let me see if I can find that. Anybody know what chapter in Genesis it's in? Hello. Before the flood. (laughs) We'll find it real quick. Maybe I'm mistaken, might be after the flood. Praise the Lord. Yeah, chapter 11. The whole earth was of one language and one speech. So there was unity of speech among the people. Unity is always power, spiritual power. Don't ever forget it. That's why the first commandment is a love commandment. Love does not seek its own way. Well, if love doesn't seek its own way, whose way does it seek? Seeks God's way. Okay? So when you walk in love, you're seeking God's way. And so if God has caused unity to have power, then in order to break power, he has to put confusion or scattering on things. And so they are one spirit and one speech, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and dwelt there. And they said one to another, go let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime they had for mortar. And they said, go let us build a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. Let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. Lord came down to see the city and the tower which they built, and he said, Behold, the people is one, have one language, and this they begin to do. Accomplished. Now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do, so let us go down and confound their language, and the Lord scattered their language. And it is thought that they made some progress toward heaven and conquered up into the realm of the second heaven. So the first heaven is the atmosphere that hovers right over the earth. And then there is an invisible realm beyond that. You know, we, the Bible talks about the Lord hung the stars in the sky and all of that. And above that, Satan has access to that because he's the one that put this idea in their heads. He was in heaven at one time. The Bible says he lost his first estate. And it's reasonable that he would endeavor to get back there. So in his attempts to get back into heaven, he put an idea in man's head, which he has lordship, you know, temporary lordship over the earth until we take it back from him through Jesus Christ. And so he used his power and the power of agreement. Now, Satan has spirits of strife he could lose any time. 
but he didn't loose it on those people. You understand what I'm saying? He never loses strife in a situation until he's done with it and he's ready to destroy everything that's in it. But he will cause great unity to come to people. Look at Nazi Germany. You don't believe people can get unified for evil. Look at that. Look at the uh, terrorists, Islamic terrorists. They're unified under the God they call Allah. And they are willing to do whatever they set in their hearts to do. But they have great unity of purpose there. They do it by force. And so the devil can cause his spirits of uh, agreement to come into force anytime he wants to for his own purposes and his own ends. And so it's thought that he fought, tried to fight his way back up into heaven, but you know that whatever he does through man has power. Won't last forever, but God steps in to stop it, and oftentimes whatever's accomplished has to be undone by another human being before it can be removed. So God sovereignly stopped them from coming up to heaven, foil their plan, but they had conquered a certain realm in the atmosphere and in the heavenlies. We know Satan has access to the throne room of God because the Bible says that he came up, presented himself at the throne room of God because in Job it says that. And God asked him, what have you been doing? He said, walking back and forth. On the earth trying to see who I can mess up. Mm -hmm. And so he does have access to heavenly realms. We know that he has governmental power. tells us that in Ephesians chapter 4. We wrestle not against, I mean chapter 6, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against at least seven or eight levels of demonic spiritual authority. Mm -hmm. The principalities, powers dominions, thrones, names, spiritual wickedness in high places. So there is at least seven, if not eight, levels of hierarchy in the dark kingdom of darkness. So he has an organized hierarchy, which probably was put in place when they built the tower. I believe that. Because I believe they were organized, there were one language, and he said, here, this is your throne, you take the build a tower up this high and you sit there, you take the tower this high and you sit there, you take the tower you sit this high, you sit here, and it was getting worked out. Until God just, in an instant, changed the language, they couldn't talk to each other anymore, and ended in confusion, they couldn't go any further with it. That's why we speak confusion on the devil's plans. Huh? Because we know it works, doesn't it? It's worked for God, it works for us, it's a good strategy. Huh? You don't want them to gang up and get unified and regroup and come back at you again. So you need to keep the devil confused. You have dominion over him. He must do whatever you, you just tell him to do in the authority of Jesus' name. So if you tell him to forget where you live, he's got to forget where you live. If you tell them to quit trying to drag you into bed with somebody, you've got to quit doing that. Huh? Just make sure your body don't want to do it on its own. You put your body over on the other side of town somewhere. Huh? And then you have to follow through with wisdom. But you can make the devil leave you alone through the authority of Jesus' name on any, on any issue, any level, no matter what it is.
Well, can you really do that once you try it? You're the best one to prove to yourself what you can really do. Huh? You, you go after it and see if he won't stop. The Bible says no foe will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. You know what that means? That means, stand up, Nola. She's always a good one. How you doing? You want to mess with me? You want to no. mess with me? You no. want to mess with me? See, that's the way it is. They have to back up because you carry with you final divine authority. You, you have the ruler of the universe working through you. Huh? So you don't have to be afraid of the devil. You don't have to be, well, if I bind him, what are he going to do? He's going to be bound if you believe what you're doing. He's going to stop. Huh? Don't worry about what he's going to do. Hit him first. Huh? That's what a lot of times kids get bullied because they're always afraid of what the, well, if you hit him hard, knock him down, he ain't going to get up no more. So why don't you try that? Huh? If he gets up and hits you again, hit him harder the, the next time. But you don't have to put up with the devil's nonsense. Huh? You can withstand him and make him fall, just like God did. He confounded the plan of the enemy. We ask God to let the counsel of the wicked come to nothing. Don't let it prosper. It's already, by the word, is doomed to fail already because of God's word. All you're doing is reiterating what God's already said. You're carrying out the written judgments. These are like arrest warrants that are sitting that have never been served because people are not discerning enough to know when the devil's in operation and stop them. Well, people say, I know it's the devil. Why don't you stop him? Then why don't you act like you know it's the devil? Let him run all over everybody. Run through there like he owns something. You know, put him in his place. And so when this tower was built and the second heaven was set up with authority, the, the Satan decided to create three personalities that are similar to the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We talked about that. The Holy Spirit is thought to be, have the attributes of the feminine of God. You know that male and female are inside of God. He created both of them in his image. But there are delineations. The Father births everything through his creative imagination. The Son is the offspring of the thought of God. So the Son is the Word. You can't say nothing that you don't think first. You may wish you hadn't said it once it jumps out your mouth, but you thought that, you conceived of that somewhere on the inside of your little brain. You got that idea, and it sprang forth from your thought life. That's how creative and inventive ideas happen. If somebody wants to paint a portrait, there's a picture in their brain of something they want to bring outside of themselves and bring, bring it into the material realm. Well, that's the same way God does everything. He has an idea on the inside of him. Let us make man in our image. That's the idea on inside of God. He's conferring with himself. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost having a conference. 
and deciding. So they make a decision. And then God uses his faith to put it in action. He says, let it happen. And it happens. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit colliding with the word, the manifestation comes about. Hmm? Instantly for God. You know why we don't get it instant? We got too much drag on it. Know what drag is? Doubt. I don't know if he's going to pull it back. Well, he might do uh, You done pulled it back. He gone. You done pulled it back. Huh? Let me tell you why we have drag on our words. It's, it's a normal thing. It's, it's a protective measure of God. Other than that, oh, Avis, you know, you'd be whatever I said you were, whether I'm in a good mood or not, whether I'm feeling righteous or unrighteous. So he puts drag on curse words, words that don't align up with his spirit. Anything that's against God's kingdom is the curse. Lest you would be a chicken, you'd be a numbskull, you'd be an idiot, you'd be, huh? Whatever. Forever. So the reason there's, he turns the power down. He turns the manifestation power down on our words. That's why you got to pray the same prayer over and over so long for it to happen because God's weighing how many times you said you want it and how many times you said you didn't want it. And he says, well, what do they really want down here? So your words are being weighed in the balance. That's why it's good to keep your confession the same way all the time about everything solid in God's word so that you can expect good things to come to you. So he does it for our own protection. We don't need all of our words to happen instantaneously. Huh? You ever got mad at somebody and said D-A-M in them? Mm-hmm. Or D-A-M it? And that means to have it come to nothing and evaporate. Everything that's damned comes into eternal fire at some point. And so it's very easy for us out of frustration, anger, emotion, whatever it is, to speak to the dark side. So God pulls them words back. He's got a fire hose going around after all his kids putting out words. Huh? And those words, we do get some of the fruit off those words because sometimes if you... If you think about it, you come down to your normal carnal self even. And you think about what you just said. You say, oh man, why I feel bad about that. Why did I do that? So that's a self-extinguisher. Because you got the ability to know when you did wrong by yourself, your conscience, bearing witness in the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost conviction can help you to know, you know, that wasn't right. I don't feel right about that. That wasn't good. So you can teach yourself how to use your words for the creative good purpose that God put out there for us by being mindful, number one, to keep your heart pure so that you're not harboring ill feelings about people. Now, I'm not saying you're never going to feel, feel negative about somebody, but you don't harbor it. You don't nurse it. You don't make it your pet. Take it home with you. Prop it up on a pillow. Find it a bed. And commune with it all day long. You attempt to get rid of it as soon as possible. And so if you'll walk like that and you'll keep your heart pure before God, then he can then reignite the power 
on his spirit on your words. And then the prayer that you've been praying that you want to happen so badly has a chance again. It doesn't get burned up in the fire of your emotion because you're mad at somebody or because they didn't speak to you. or You see how, how petty it is to hold that kind of stuff against, say, your, your child serving God or somebody getting healed or something like that. You understand what I'm saying? So you get an understanding of why it's so important to walk before God like he told Abraham, walk before me and be thou perfect. That didn't mean Abraham didn't, never did anything wrong. We all know better than that. But then when he did, did wrong, he repented. He got before God. He built another altar. In fact, they say he built an altar and he always worshipped there because, oh, he's always cutting up. Huh? Just like you and me. We're working on it, though, right? Yeah, we trying. We're doing the best we can. And the more we find out how to do this thing right, the more we'll apply ourselves to right living so that we can be blessed. And so when, when God then puts his power on your words, it is for the purpose of you advancing his kingdom. So it's not just stuff you need. And it's not about you. The Bible says seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his way of doing things, and everything will be added to you. Not before. So the kingdom always comes first. It always comes first. You ask people who work in law enforcement or work in the military. The defense of this country is on their minds constantly. If we don't have them, we have no country. So the needs of the country always come before general individual needs. I mean, in any decent government... You don't let one, one faction of people that want to take over everything and run everything just have that power. The, the needs of the total government come first before individual needs. And as individuals obey the law, we're all blessed. And so when God institutes his kingdom principles and his kingdom endeavors and, and his assignment for his people, he does it with number one kingdom in mind. The kingdom always comes first. I remember when we were first starting the ministry and Shirley's kids were teenagers. She was concerned about leaving them at home. And, you know, and when you've got teenage children, you've watched them since they were small. You know which ones will be good and for how long and when you've got to get back. And, yeah. and God's saying, go. And so she said the Lord spoke to her and said, if you take care of my business, I'll take care of yours. It's a trade-off. You don't get it any other way. Yeah. Huh? See, this is what makes a difference between people who are churchgoers and their kids are on dope. And their kids are out, you know, with seven babies and, and you know, you know, hey, forget dad. You know, he long gone. Hmm? And denying everything, too. He denies his own DNA. No, that ain't mine. No, that ain't my hair. Well, you know, my saliva. I can get that up. You know, you don't want no part of it. And so that makes, this is what makes the difference between that outcome in your life and an outcome of children who uh, are in the house of the Lord all the days of their lives and don't stray. 
See, if she hadn't done that way back then, we don't know what the outcome would, but praise God, she did that way back then. And she has the benefit of it now. No kids on dope. They all work. They all respect God. Work in the church, in the ministry, working on, working on the things of God. See, that's a trade-off. I'd say she got the better end of the deal. Huh? Because if you put God's business first, he will put yours first in his eyes. There's nothing that he won't give you if you will follow him unrestrained. Now, if you keep wondering how much you got to do, you missed the whole point of what I just said. You know, I wonder how many times she had to do that, or did she have to do that all the time, or did she just do that once and he was satisfied, or did she... No, no she didn't do it just once. She made a lifestyle of it. And that's what God wants us all to do, to make a lifestyle out of obedience to him and putting him first. When he says him first, he don't mean move him around like a chess piece. He means put him first and leave him in the king's spot and put a crown on him. Huh? Because this is the only way this life in God is ordained to work. It only works a certain way. It only works if you seek the kingdom first. And let him add things. Well, suppose he don't. See, you didn't hear nothing I said again. He didn't say nothing about him supposing don't add stuff. If you don't know God's trustworthy and, you, and he'll keep his word. Now, we really need to go back to Christianity. Ought, ought, too. <laughs> ought, ought, one is at the altar when you get saved. Ought, ought, two is when you know you can trust God to keep you saved. But you can trust God. You trust him with your old stinking sin and your old stinking sickness, always rushing up to the altar. I know if I get that touch, I'm gonna, this pain going to leave me. Well, trust him with everything else you got. I always want him to take the stuff you don't want. See, I got symptoms. <laughs> Trying to get all religious. You know you've been saying you've been sick all day long. Don't come up to me talking about symptoms. Uh, trying to clean it up for God at the altar. He heard you back there when you was complaining, saying you were sick. Huh? The truth. <laughs> but he means it when he says, put me first and trust me and I will add things to you. If you start letting things convince you that putting God first is, is, is not worth the effort, you're in trouble. If you're mad about stuff and you've drawn back from serving God, decreased what you used to do, too busy, you're on the wrong road. And you ain't going to get nothing like that. So you might as well just bite it, throw your face at the mercy of the court, suck carpet, you know, wood, whatever you go, it's just, just <laughs> whatever you got to do, and get back to putting God first. See, because if you're too busy for Him, guess what? He's too busy for you. You sowed the first seed. You sowed that seed. See, 
We lived a life of obedience and everything. We just wanted God all the time. We didn't think about stuff. Never let stuff get between you and God. Huh? Never let it get between you and God. God's the only one who promises you that kind of provision. Now, I don't care how much somebody loves you. You know, I, I was married for almost 30 years. I loved my husband and he loved me with some stuff we weren't going to give each other. I didn't tell him where it was. Man, he didn't tell me where it was either. Because uh, uh. <clears throat> he knew a girlfriend was coming for it, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I know he's coming for it too. So it's a... <laughs> but God's the only one who can promise you unlimited provision. If you'll do what he tells you to do. He said, just put me first. Put me in my rightful place. God has no business being second place in anybody's life. And he won't put up with it. I'm telling you, he will not stand for it. He's either God or he ain't. He's either God or he's gone. Huh? And so we have to understand that about God. Once we get an understanding... Of his character as sovereign God and Lord of the universe, Lord God Almighty, too high for us, really. But he made up his mind to condescend to us through his son and come and retrieve us. When we understand all of that, then we'll be more understanding of why he demands the respect that he does. Because he's worthy of it. Because he gives us so much in return for what we do for him, the little bit that we do. And most of us, you know, most of us get at least eight hours sleep if we want it. We don't have to, you know, it's not like you're running here, there, and everywhere and hardship things and doing without, doing without this and that, you know, trying to meet the needs of God's people and all that kind of stuff. It's not like that for us. We have ample supply for every need. And so there's no reason for anybody not to trust God with putting him in his rightful place in your life. So that's got to be established. And so if we will put God in his rightful place in our lives, then we have authority, we have power over all the works of darkness. No enemy can stand before us all the days of our lives. We are blessed coming in and going out. We are renewed in our strength every day. There is no problem that will ever come before us that we won't have a ready answer because he is an ever-present help in trouble. There's no excuse for a lot of the nonsense that believers put themselves through. But I think the problem is we don't put him first in his rightful place and seek him in all things. Acknowledge him in everything. And he'll direct our paths. He'll direct people to you. He'll make a way in the wilderness. You know, you'll have a highway that runs out on you and he'll create another one for you. Because he is almighty God. And so we will cooperate with him and just do the program like he tells us to do the program. You know, then we'll be blessed in everything. Never lacking in anything. We'll always have safety, we'll always have peace, we'll always have comfort, we'll always have everything that our hearts desires. And we'll carry the kingdom with us. So the Bible says that we are to be sober and to be vigilant. Don't ever get all full of yourself. How you doing? Huh? 
I mean, really, don't, don't just get all full of yourself. Because the Bible says your adversary, the devil, walks around as a roaring lion looking who he can devour. And he devours the proud and the haughty. God gives grace to the humble. And grace is, you know what grace is? The devil is sneaking up on you and you know it. That's grace. You know what? He, when he resists you and you're proud and haughty, he sneaks up to you and then climbed into bed with you and serving you breakfast, lunch, and dinner and you think it's God. See, always humble yourself to the hand of God. Always. You know, I have people that, you know, they want to get up in your face. I could care less about winning an argument with somebody. I don't have to have the last word. Because I don't have the last word. Because he's Alpha and Omega. He'll have the last word. I don't have to uh, ask God to deal with people. I don't sick God on people. Because I don't want people sicking God on me. You understand why I want him to be my friend. And so I just tell God, well, God, you know, bless them and I'll try try to do my best for them, you know, and I forgive them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You don't have no long list of stuff you want to, long list of scriptures you want to throw somebody's name over in the Psalms and all this old kind of stuff and all this old crazy witchcraft. Huh? You, you know, why? Why sow that seed? The Bible says those who, who give mercy will receive mercy. So you want mercy from the hand of God. You don't want to be judged like, like you're trying to judge people. It's nonsense. So I would rather, okay, you, you kids, you three girls, come over here, okay? Because I'm not going to talk on top. On top of y'all talking and flirting and all up in these boys' faces, I'm not going to have it in here, all right? All three of you, go somewhere else. Go to the bathroom. Sit there wiggling your ankle like you all excited and stuff. Now i got to have a deliverance service. Come on out of there. Cut it out in Jesus' name. This is the house of God. We're going to stop this nonsense. Huh? Thank you. Very much. Now wiggle your ankle over there. Where was I? Ooh, silence. <laughs> Thank you, Chuck. Have mercy, Lord. <laughs> yeah, I was talking about mercy, wasn't I? Okay, mercy, ladies and gentlemen. But y'all gonna cut that nonsense out. It's, it's, um, it's rude. Carry on your own conversation and God's talking. Hello? Yeah. Amen. All right. So let's stop it. Okay. Who is that back there laughing? Nobody? Better not be. Okay. <laughs> Praise God. All right. So you want to give mercy because you want to receive mercy. Mm-hmm. And so if you are in a situation... Where somebody is not doing the right thing where you are concerned. You ask God to stop the injustice. Okay? 
He reveals to you what spirit is involved there. You take authority over that spirit. You do not wrestle against flesh and blood. People are flesh and blood. You let God take care of people, but you can handle the devil all you want to. In fact, many times you do people a favor when you take authority over the devil. If they're weak enough to let the devil rule them, take authority sometimes. You see people in the workplace and they backbite everybody. You know, you come in there and carry the spirit of God and make all them backbiters run out when they see you coming in there. You understand what I'm saying? You walk in in the spirit of God and your authority where you refuse to get involved in that conversation. That conversation will stop. And people will start to respect you and they will tell you. You know, I I used to talk about the boss all the time and then you start coming around and you never said anything negative about her. And I stopped doing it because I realized that was wrong. You're a Christian, right? You understand? Well, you don't even have to tell people who you are. You just go in in the spirit of God and things will settle in according to your authority that you carry. Now, you don't want to go in there and join in the conversation. Huh? And you may want to real bad. Huh? You know, because she just told you off in the worst way. And your flesh is itching to say something about her. Huh? But you bite your tongue and it's your mouth full of blood. You bite it some more. Huh? And you refuse to get involved in that. And you've sown a seed toward advancing the kingdom. Just by doing nothing, not engaging, whatever you bind is bound. Whatever you loose is loosed. So if you bind your own tongue and bind your spirit to God's spirit, then you don't have to worry about getting in the flesh and getting all upset and worked up with people. You don't have to say anything. In fact, it's probably best you don't. Sometimes silence will speak more than our mere words. And so as long as you are, are understanding God's kingdom and what he has you here for, putting him first in all things, finding out what is it God wants you to be about on a day-to-day basis. Don't try to invent some kind of bogus ministry that you think you're into. Wait on God. The Bible says those in the ministry should wait on their ministering. So God always has somebody that has a need that he will put you in front of at some point. So he says, wait on your ministering. Don't go looking for somebody to witness to, somebody to play laying on the hands with. and Huh? Just keep it real. And keep it respectful and keep it holy. Knowing that God has people down here. There are people down here with serious, crucial needs in their lives. And God wants a people who are equipped, who are respectful toward him, who respect the word, who respect the anointing. And he can place his power on you so that you can go forth and work for him. He'll do it every time. There is not a time where he won't use you if you make yourself available to be used. But you got to make yourself available. you got to have your mind on God and God on your mind. You can't be wondering about who likes you, who don't like you, and what they're going to say if you do this and you do that. You need to, to die to that stuff and witness for God. 
Some of our young people have never told anybody about Christ. Trying to be closet Christians. Huh? Trying to get under the radar and hide. You need to be praying that God would help you to get bold so that you could tell your little friends. You know the answers, but you're scared to tell them sometimes. So you need to ask God for the boldness so you can come right out with it and tell them. Well, I'm a Christian. I know God can help you. Let's pray. You mind if I pray for you? Huh? I mean, you do it your way. I'll say, well, let's pray. You know, I don't want no for an answer. I'm, I'm assuming they're going on with me. You know what I'm saying? Now, some people, you can just ease it on. You, do you mind if I pray for you? That's, that ain't my style, you know, kind of. It just don't work that way for me. But it, worked, it might work that way for you, and you might get more that way. You understand what I'm saying? But you do what, what you know is comfortable for you to do. And you do what you know helps you to step into God and brings the anointing down to help you. But I'm telling you, you put God first. Always make yourself available to God. You know, sometimes you get in these little snitty moods. Well, I just don't have time. I had time hardly to brush my teeth. Well, get to a mint. I'm warning you, you might have to tell somebody about Jesus before the day is over. So, I mean, you know, hey, whether you brush your teeth or not, that's on you. But get you a mint or something because you might have to speak for God. But keep yourself ready don't shut yourself down and think it's too much trouble and too much bother and I don't want nobody stopping me. I got to get home. And Sure as I'm standing here, somebody going to stop you. You ain't going nowhere. Huh? I mean, if God knows you, if you have a relationship with God. Now, some people don't want God using them to do nothing. Huh? And they've never had that experience. But if you know God and you know he's used you, you know you're a sucker for the anointing. The minute somebody comes up that ain't feeling good or something like that, you're going to want to extend that hand of healing and that word of healing to them. And you better do it. Because that's what you're here for. That is your purpose down here. Is to take authority, to do like Jesus. The Bible says he went about doing good and healing everybody. He healed all who were oppressed of the devil. Why? Because God was with him. If God's with you, you can't keep God in a box. He's too big. You can't keep him in your purse. He's too big. And you can't hide him from your coworkers. He's too big. So just let him do what he wants to do. You know, people get so touchy about, well, I don't want to, uh, 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 religion in the workplace, where, you know, all that kind of stuff. You keep messing around, you ain't going to be in the workplace. You slip up and let somebody go to hell and that's their last chance. You don't want to do that. See, when, when, when God knows that you're kind of scary a little bit you know we've all been there I was that way when I first started I quickly got over it though you know you sometimes you have to fight your way out of your your whatever you're into your ink that keeps you from doing what God wants you to do but he would give me what I call easy cases you know the people that you can share Christ with they got all their brains their arms their limbs if you blow it he can give the ball to somebody else who can, you know, when people re- start receiving ministry from God, especially for salvation, it's in stages. 
Somebody tells them about Christ and then somebody else tells them more and somebody else tells them more. These are laborers that God has in the field. How many of you got saved? Not in you. There was one time you got saved, but you can think back and remember how many people told you about Jesus. How many people were trying to get through to you? So when you're young and the things of God and you never witnessed anybody before, he'll give you easy cases like that. He's not going to let somebody really be on the brink of hell and you're a, a newcomer and he expects you to get it right. There's grace on everything God does. There's grace for the witness. There's grace for the receiver. But when you get mature in God and he knows you and you know him, you might get some cases where if you don't speak up, that's their last chance and you know it. See? You know it because you'll go to say, well, uh, I'm going to come back tomorrow and I'll bring you some literature. They ain't even there. They have totally evaporated. And you think to yourself, man, I stood there for five minutes wondering if I should say something or not. Huh? Or I stood there and I took it for as long as I could and the unction was there and I just coughed it up. Huh? I debated for a little bit because the room was full of people. You understand what I'm saying? And so when, as you walk with God, you will have these different levels of experience. But my, my thing to you is this. Keep putting God first. Because if he trusts you with the people that you can get a do-over with or something like that, pretty soon it will be a no-do-over situation. There will be somebody who really needs God then, and that's their last chance to receive him. And he is expecting one of his kids to not be thinking about how many people it is. And I don't want to embarrass nobody. And I, see. And I don't want, I want to be friends with these people. I don't want them to, you know, dislike me. Kitty stuff. So there are situations that we will find ourselves in where we are it as far as the witness is concerned. We are it. And so you need to be understanding of this. And you need to understand if you're in the habit of putting God first, you won't blow it. You won't miss it. God will, there is grace for you to be able to share Christ with these people. And you will be able to know that you know that you know that you know that God's in it. What God's been doing recently with me is doing the sign thing for people you know posts pointing 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 to increase their faith to know that God's going to do it see supernatural things where people are in a place they're not supposed to be and I'm in a place I'm not usually and then we meet together divine appointment type things where you got to be where God tells you to go and no be getting some funny idea about, well, I'm sleepy. I think I'm going to stay over Gigi's for the night and just take a nap. You know, go home, Barb. You feel the unction to go home. Huh? I was in a grocery store on the east side. I never shop on the east side anymore. I usually want to get on the west side so I'm close to home. So if I'm too tired, I can keep driving and don't have to even stop at the store. You got me? I mean, that's my, that's my pattern. Because nothing is that crucial. 
<laughs> Anybody see my refrigerator knows nothing? <laughs> what could I do that isn't that crucial? You know, so I can skip it. Something that I would easily pass up. I'm looking at the store and I said, you know, I think I'm going to stop in there. I've been in there so many years. You know, I used to shop there all the time and I'm not, a, not on that side of town. I said, I'm going to go on in there. And, you know, it's Heinen's. Anybody from Cleveland knows that's a little hoity-toity. It was typical Shaker Heights, Beachwood type store. You know, what you go in there, they, you have to give one of these and one of these. An arm and a leg. Uh-huh. Just to get through the checkout. <laughs> So I don't really want the stuff, but I know they got cooked vegetables, and I don't feel like cooking none. I don't want to clean the vegetables, and I need to have them for, you know, no carbs. So I go in there, and while I'm in there, I'm in the line. Pastor Shirley calls me and informs me that Raymond, who had just gotten out of the van, helping us get some things out for my sister Louise. See, this is the... I'm wanting to get these things to my sister thing. Kingdom comes first. It's not for me. For somebody else. They'll give you a clue to how God gets involved in stuff. Uh, she had asked for him three weeks. You know, Cece kept saying, oh, I'm going to get to him. I'll get to him. Didn't get to him. I said, I'll get to him. All right. So she needs him. She wants him. So I want to take him over there. Raymond, we have, we have no man. You know, <laughs> Raymond. <laughs> I ain't lifting them. I didn't lift them in there, and I ain't lifting them out. Now, God knows how to help a sister out. You know, he just gives you enough that you can handle. You know, my deal is to get them in the van and drive the van, not to lift them in and out. So we have no man. So Pastor Shirley says, Ray, why don't you come on and take them? I move out of the driver's seat to the passenger side because I want to get a ride whenever I can get one. I don't know about y'all, but... Miss Daisy really ain't that fond of taking the wheel and driving no man around. Just something in me don't like to drive guys around. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Never was that type of chick. (laughs) Whatever. So anyway, when, when we get to, I get to the store and Shirley calls me on the phone. She says, oh, you know what? Where are you? And I said, I'm at Heinen's down the street from you. Really? She said, I thought you'd be almost on the west side. I said, nah, I decided to come over here and, you know, get a little grub. You know, two containers of vegetables, $8. You know, I mean, the stuff's $8 a pound. I get half pounds of this stuff. $8 for two little half-thing containers of vegetables. Now, if God ain't in your pocket, you ain't going to even do the first obedience. You know what I'm saying? I mean, come on, y'all. So she said, oh. I'm glad you're there. She said, would you mind waiting for me till I get there? Raymond left his keys in there. I said, yeah, well, so I went and go look in the van. Sure enough, this big wad of keys are sitting there. So I decide to pull out of my parking space, go toward the end of the driveway where she can see me. You know, not illegal. I obey the law, get to a little spot. And I get to the spot and somebody knocks on the window. And it's a little lady you know, little elderly lady. I shouldn't say that because, you know, <laughs> you know, we ain't about three years or so pushing between us. You know what? But uh, anyway, she says, she said, would you pray for me? And I said, sure. She said, I've seen you on television. I said, you know, we just had a healing school. That's another reason not to cut up in the grocery store. I want to cuss out the slow cashier and act an idiot. 
I'm ever so polite in the grocery store. You know, I mean, come on, folks. It's kingdom first. You behave yourself for the kingdom's sake. And I said, we just had a healing meeting on Saturday. She said, I know. She said, I saw it on TV. She said, would you pray for me? I said, yeah. She said, my grandson has, uh, is suspected to have spinal meningitis, she said, and I don't feel good. And so I just put my arm around her outside of the van, and I prayed for her, and I said, and Father, heal the grandson. I said, ma'am, do you realize that I am never here? I said, this is not what I usually do. I said, do you realize God brought me here so that I could have an opportunity to pray for you? I said, and he has healed you. He has healed you. No doubt about it. If God goes through the trouble to set all of that up, it's not so we can pray a feely prayer to make her feel like somebody cares about her. It's the healer. And you can tell her that she is healed and the grandson is healed too. Because you saw God put all of this together. Now suppose I sitting up thinking about what God ain't done for me yet. And how God owes me this. And I done done enough. And I just ain't doing nothing for nobody else. Where's my stuff? Huh? People whine so much they got a website called Where's My Stuff? Did you know if you buy uh, anything on the internet and you want to track it, there's a website called Where's My Stuff? And you can go on there and find stuff you bought. That's because people whine so much, they had to create a website for the whiners. Where my stuff? Huh? Everybody always wants to know where their stuff is. But see, if I was not wanting to do anything for anybody because I didn't get what I want, Huh? And see, you may not say exactly that, but sometimes little bit by little bit, you push back from the enthusiasm isn't there. The want to isn't there. Because we're always wondering, when is it going to be my turn? When am I going to get what God promised me? And so if, once you get that out of you, then God can use you to do supernatural things. I serve God because he, did, he has done more for me than anybody I have ever known in my life and still does things for me. He helps me in more ways than you can ever imagine because I need a lot of help. And he never disappoints me. He never makes me wait for anything because I know the secret. When I can't get something, there's a key that I possess that will fit a door that I can unlock to get it. I just got to seek him to find out what key to use, what door, and how to unlock it. There's always something you can do to release provision, a roof over your head, food. Come on, folks. That kind of stuff, there's always a key for release of it in the immediate when you have the need. So I don't worry about This kind of nonsense. I'm here to serve God as many ways and as many times as I can. Because that's what you do when you love somebody. You want to please them and you want to serve them. And the married people said, who she thinks she's talking to. (laughs) So anyway, (laughs) we're talking. That was my intro. I did all that to say. 
that in the second heaven is where the seat of demonic authority rests. And that realm of heaven is controlled by the principality of Jezebel, Ahab, and Pharaoh, the unholy trinity. We talked about Jezebel first because everybody likes talking about her. (laughs) But when God gave me this revelation, he showed me that the kingdom of darkness is an, an imperfect mirror of God's kingdom. It's distorted. You know, like the one at the carnival where you stand in and you look real fatty, you look real skinny or something like that. That's the way it is. His kingdom is what the Bible refers to as perverted or twisted. Wicked is the word. Wicked really means it comes from the word wicker, which means to twist. Wicker furniture is twisted, twisted pieces of tree, whatever, you know, bamboo or whatever it is. So it's twisted so that it fits into a different shape. And the enemy's kingdom is twisted. But there are many, many similarities to God's kingdom. There are spiritual hierarchies and angels that minister for Satan. But he only took a third of the angels with him. He don't have as many as God has. God wouldn't let that happen. Huh? Well, people say, well, you know, God, he could do anything. No, he wouldn't let that happen because he knows what the devil would do if he ever got the ups on us down here. He did it for our sakes. So Satan was only able really, and I believe they're the angels that were assigned to him because as an archangel, he had a third. Michael had a third and Gabriel had a third. So he took his homies, his crew, he took with him. When he left, God said, all y'all get out of here. Huh? So they all fell. So he could only take what was assigned to him. So that third is still assigned to him. And they do his bidding. Now, in the the main, main main seat of authority, he gives his ministering spirits personalities. And they have personalities that have certain kinds of faces. And we see them reflected in certain rulers in the Bible. You see the rulers that stand out as being exceedingly evil. That is how, that, that, that is the personality of that ruling prince that sits on that seat of authority. So they have to operate in a certain way in order, number one, to influence people to believe them, and number two, to call their other spiritual forces down under their authority so they can target different individuals. Like we talked about, the spirit of Jezebel is responsible for a lot of the confusion that exists in marriages and homes, but she does not act alone. She has male partners who have male personalities that can fit the bill for her as well. And so the male personalities are Ahab and Pharaoh. We know that. And so when you look at their personalities, you see that they were enemies of God's people way back in the day, from the beginning of a structure of God's kingdom. So the same enemies that fight 
that fought Israel back in the day fight the church now. So there's an anti-Semitic and an anti-Christ element to all of Satan's forces. So you can count on the same devil that causes terrorism now is a descendant of Ishmael who fought Isaac when they were kids. It's the same household fight that's going on now. The children of Abraham are still hostile enemies. And they are sworn to fight each other to the death. The only way this will stop is they lose that identity and come into Christ. It's the only way. So that's why God has us, has countries do things like get rid of these really Pharaoh-type dictators, Saddam Hussein, Castro, who's his nut in Colombia, what's his name, Chavez. All of these people are Pharaoh personalities. They put heavy burdens on the people. They are dictators. You do this, and this is all you get. You get no more. There's no freedom there. There's no nothing there. And God wants people free. And he will speak to people who have freedom and appreciate it and move on them with compassion to help them free up other people who are not free. It's just the way it works. So when you're a free person, you will always feel the burden of responsibility to help the oppressed. I don't care if they're politically oppressed, if they're oppressed with sickness, if they're oppressed in deception, whatever the oppression is, if you are a free person, you will always feel the burden of responsibility to help liberate other people. You just not, you don't feel all of your freedom. Why? Because some of humanity is still locked up and in bondage. When, when you see wealthy people helping the poor, that's not all guilt money. What that has happened to them is the same thing God wants to happen to us. When he says, take no thought for what you're going to eat, drink, and wear. What am I going to think about, God? Somebody you can help. You don't think about helping somebody. It's amazing how we can get when we have lack. We don't want to help. Well, I'm my own favorite charity. I ain't going to give no money to nobody. I'm too busy trying to take care of myself, man. I ain't got... You see how selfish we are? And so that's why God wants his people with an unlimited provision... And unlimited wealth. So we don't have the burdens of how... Warren Buffett has that, that stockholder shareholders meeting once a year. I'm like, yay, Warren. But you know what his biggest <clears throat> expenditure of energy is? How to get rid of all his money. He has so much of it. It's so easy for him to make money. It has freed him up to 100% of the time figure out research charities. Well, he has people to help him do that. They report on him to him. I I asked you to find out where we can put money to help this cause, that cause, or tell me another worthy cause that I can get involved in. See, the wealthy, when they don't have, when they are, when their businesses are well run and they're generous to the people that run them, etc., they are freed up so that they can do what we call humanitarian work. They can help liberate other people. What's the same thing God wants to do with us? Then when he tells you, seek first the kingdom and my righteousness, and I'll add stuff to you, he said, don't worry about your stuff. I got your stuff. 
But what I really need is somebody down there who cares about people and I can put you in the path of somebody that, yes, sees you on TV and sees the name of the church on the van and says, maybe I'll take a chance at whoever's driving that van. How does she know I wasn't the janitor? You see what I'm saying? <laughs> I might have been, honey, baby, listen. No, but you know what I'm saying. Miss Daisy, whatever. But she'd find somebody in there could pray for her. So that's why God wants to free us up from burdens, cares. When am I gonna? Am I ever gonna? Well, if you never do, will you do something for God? So he wants us freed up from from everything so that we can work for him. Well, you know, Pastor Barb, you don't have no job. What do you mean I don't have a job? What do you think y'all are? You see how goofy people can think? And really what I see a lot of people doing, what I don't call that work what some of y'all do. Because you live from one coffee break to the next. I mean, if you got that coffee break mentality, that's going to be on you, period. I mean, I try every day to do my best for God. Some days I don't get, get it right like I would like to, but every day my purpose is to do my best for God. And you have to be like that. You have to understand that he put you here for divine purpose And he ain't really that particular about you coming to him all the time with the same old, as my daddy used to say, sixes and nines all the time, whatever that meant. You know, country people. I guess sixes and nines look alike to country people. I don't know. What you think, Chuck? Probably. Uh Uh-huh. It's all the same numbers. They ain't no but two numbers, six and nine, maybe one. And so, God, that's his purpose. That's his purpose for having us seek the kingdom first. Let things be added to us. So these spirits, these ruling princes, are the ones we have to take authority over. Now, this is something interesting he told me about how these three work. He said, Jezebel is always the front person. He said, and as you understand and get revelation and hear different people preach and all, he said, you will hear a lot said about the spirit of Jezebel. But you will hardly hear anybody mention the real powers, and that's Pharaoh and Ahab. He says, so she acts as a front person to take the blame for it because in the minds of human beings, there's a tendency to want to blame women for everything. Came from the garden. It's part of the curse. And so they will, she will work behind the scenes, or they work behind the scenes behind her, and let her take the blame for everybody and everything while they can go, you know, unchecked and do what they need to do. Right. You'll even hear ministers, you know, especially these, you know, Pharaoh type, goofy dudes, macho type preachers. Right. Don't know nothing, wet behind the ears. Need to have a mama slap them or the wife, but you know, that ain't my thing. I don't preach like that. I encourage women to slap no men. Ha! <laughs> no. Okay, I'm sorry. Where am I? Okay, wrong meeting. But anyway, they will, you hear, I've heard preachers preach women cause most of the trouble that's ever been in the church. It's commonly said. When we just started letting women even get in the pulpit to preach. 
So if we haven't had any authority, how can we cause all the trouble? But you know what women have done? They have had bake sales. They fried chicken. They fundraised just so their children could have a place to come and learn about God. They've sown good labor into most of the churches that you see. If, if there was heavy money, a woman probably influenced her husband to put some of their money into it because it was the right thing to do. So even that kind of thinking is a plant from the devil. So what happens is that the woman will be blamed for many things, and these two are the ones who allow it because the male still has authority. He still has rulership, and he has headship, at least in a domestic sense. So if the man has headship in a domestic sense, if he doesn't do what headship does, then he pushes the woman out to do those things. We talked about that. That's Ahab, that's a passive male who does not want to get involved in anything. And if he sees some woman who's willing to go out in front for him, he'll let her do it. That's on the flesh side. I'm not talking about God's people. But it could be God's people if you play around in the flesh. So this is why we learn these things. So you'll know what activities are not godly activities for your gender, men, And women, you will know what activities are not godly activities for your gender. Subtlety will always get you in trouble. That's why when prophets get in trouble for being bold and direct, that's the best kind of trouble. Because you can't say they play with your brain. (laughs) For instance, if you're in a church... And you're being told that they're collecting money for the building fund and you give and give and give. And one day there's a foreclosure sign on the church. That's subtlety. huh? Subtlety. Where somebody has lied to you, told you what you want to hear in the flesh and manipulated you into giving. And they've taken the money and done something else with it. Subtlety. Directness is we need so much for the building And in short order, you see at least a brick, you see a piece of lumber, you see something so that you can know that what's being presented to you is straight up and and you can verify what's being done with your finances. Subtlety is when women will tell the husband all the sports things that the guys do at the church to get them to come. Huh? Tell the kids all the fun things that they, you know, we, we got a Disney-like atmosphere. I don't, I don't let that rat in here. Y'all want Mickey, you better go sit in front of the television. We ain't got no coloring books. You understand what I'm saying? Because for at least an hour and a half each time we meet, you're going to focus on God, so help me God. I mean, when you think about the total number of hours you're under the word, it's only three hours for the whole week. And we're going to bring a Disney-like atmosphere in? I don't think so. A rat with four fingers. You ever seen them things? He even got all his fingers. I checked that out. I said, wait a minute. He ain't even a normal rat. Hmm? <laughs> it's the truth. 
<laughs> I can do better than that. <laughs> Understand what I'm saying? Now, I'm, I'm all for, you know, we got children in here, let them run around a little bit. We get them involved in stuff, make it fun a little bit. But we ain't going but so far. Because I don't want them to equate the house of God with playing. Because they'll do enough of that on their own. The devil will do enough of that on his own. We have enough leisure time. We have breaks because it'll be a hard day for y'all just sitting straight through. But trust me, half with Hey, I knew it. Huh? <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I need a break myself. Don't get nervous. Huh? Too much free time. You'll laugh too much. No, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> too much excitement. Not good for the heart. <coughs> huh? But we need to be serious about when it's time to be serious, get 100% serious. Lock out everything that's against God, and then you can go out of this, out of here understanding this and being able to use it. Amen. The first opportunity that comes up to you, you'll have to sit back and wonder, is this, is this the devil? What should I do? Should I pray? Should I? No, you'll know right away because it's in you. When you leave out of here, it's in you. It's not just something you think about or you wonder if I should be doing that, but you know what to do. When you step in, you'll know the anointing when you step into it. Because God wants us to be people of power, of might, and authority who aren't scared of the devil, who aren't scared of disease, who aren't scared of people we work with, who aren't scared of reputations, who are, we're fearless people and overcoming people who leap over a wall. You have to scale a wall, you scale a wall because God gives you the strength to do it. And it's the right thing to do in the situation. These dictators are getting few and far between. And that's why I love being in this country. Because praise God, we have had the opportunity to have leadership in this country that is able to face down the devil. And able to triumph over the devil. And the spirit of Pharaoh is the main spirit that drives dictatorships. Pharaoh puts hard labor on you, doesn't want you to worship God. And this is something you people have to watch. You watch your jobs that tell you they don't let nobody have Saturday and Sunday off. Now you got to make sure you don't agree with that. You know, you might say, mm, I hear them, Lord, but I'm not, that ain't what I'm, I'm believing you for. You understand what I'm saying? You don't have to argue with anybody. I'm getting my Saturday. No, just let God show them. You understand? Don't, be, don't wrestle with flesh and blood. But you go and you bind that spirit of Pharaoh and you tell him, I'm not slaving for you. I am not working six days a week, <clears throat> seven days a week, and mission, missing worship service. And see what will happen... <clears throat> Let me, let me tell you what he'll do. He'll, he'll draw back at you. You know, you pull one gun, he'll pull one. And you'll find that they'll tell you, well, <clears throat> if you can't come on Saturdays, we can't have you working here. You say, well, <clears throat> I'm real sorry, I really like the job, you know, but if that ever changes, you know, I'm available. You can call me, whatever you want to do. Or he'll <clears throat> make it hard for you. They'll tell you, well, Saturday is your day. I guess we'll give you four days a week. Well, then God's going to help you to live off four days a week. But you take your stand. You don't let anybody pull your worship time away from you. 
and tell you you can't worship God. Who do they think they are? If you don't worship God, who do you think you're going to worship? What other God are you going to go to now that you've met him? You ain't got nobody else. So you say, well, God, I guess that's not my job, or you're going to give me favor so that they're going to change their minds. If that's my job, Lord, let me know by changing their minds. This is not your fight. This is his fight. If he puts you there, he means for you to stay there, but you're going to take him with you. You're not going to leave him outside the door and go get your job and think you're going to live forever and do well. Hmm? They'll put you on the rustiest machine in there, and before you know it, you just sliced off some fingers or something. You try to go in there against God's will. I'm telling you, the devil has people set up. He'll get you in a job. You know you're not supposed to be there. They won't give you any favor, and you just push in there anyway. They'll tell you, well, you got to lift this. You know, we got equality here. We don't have, I mean, the women, you know, we got women's equal pay and equal work and all that kind of stuff. You're going to have to lift this. And you don't know how to lift nothing. They tell you to do it anyway. You try going somewhere and don't take God with you. So if that's not your job, that's not your job. God is going to take care of you and he will bring the right job to you. But you have to learn how to stand your ground. You will see sometimes when people cave in. Well, we don't usually do this for anybody, but I guess we'll do it for you. This is one exception. You just stand there in the presence of the Lord and see what God will do for you. He'll create a whole new job category for you if he needs to. But you've got to put him first. You don't give your life to the devil like that. You're going to work for him like some kind of slave, waiting for him to give you a day off. I don't think so. You make sure that you have adequate time to worship God and meet with God. So when the Pharaoh spirit is in operation, there's a conflict in the order, regular, normal family order. Oftentimes the man is overbearing and domineering, and the woman is passive, and they try to get authority over one another. There's always an extreme power play in that kind of situation. A lot of your domestic violence situations came, come out of the, the Pharaoh and Jezebel <clears throat> model. Jezebel Ahab, a woman finds a man that she can lord it all over. And she becomes the Pharaoh of the house. She'll find a passive man because some women just like that kind of stuff. I don't know where they get the energy. You know, you go a couple of rounds with some of these brothers and you think, man, I'd rather go get me a factory job. My goodness. Yeah, work that brother. Some of them can work them over real good, too. I, don't know. I had a girlfriend I went to college with. You got to put another one in. Okay, sweetie, I'm going to finish. I had a girlfriend I went to college with. <clears throat> she was, this was years ago. Of course, you all know that. I was a, a child prodigy. Whatever. <laughs> went to high school, right, right to college out of high school. And uh, <clears throat> at that time, I was married because all that she wanted. He kept saying no, and like in three sentences, he was on his face, crying, flipped over, giving her the money. I said, wait a minute. If I didn't see that with my own eyes, I wouldn't believe I said, you can really do that to a man? Come on. <laughs> Let sister take some notes here. 
But she got up and she started talking to him and it started rolling out of her so fast and she steamrolled that brother and she was on top of him and with the, you know what, with the hand in the wallet and he was pulling it out and she had that vacuum cleaner. And she didn't have to call her flying monkeys either. She took that herself. Huh? It's the truth. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. There's some queens out there that, that really know how to mess you up. Huh? Because they, they have a spirit that knows how to be the path to your soul. And when they get in there, they can monk you up bad. Huh? I'm talking about professionals now. I ain't talking about nobody we know. So don't be looking around at the way. Huh? Be- and this is how, and what has helped a lot, and this wasn't the, the case in their situation. She was just a wife who didn't really know God. <laughs> really. It's easier if you pray, trust me. But uh, she knew how to get what she wanted. See? And it has been greatly helped as people have opened themselves up to drugs. There is more witchcraft where people are manipulated and held hostage because somebody knows how to get to their soul. They have found a key for how to turn you on on the inside and extract anything that they want from you. That's witchcraft. Where one person has total control over the other one simply because they know the ways of the craft. And there are people who want something badly enough that they will mess your ever-loving mind up to get it. Hmm? Christians sometimes wind up marrying them. Hmm? Don't want to take the time to pray. They hate the word wait. Witches don't wait. What they going to wait for, all they looking for is somebody they can get next to. <clears throat> but once they know how to beat a path into your soul, they got you. Huh? And you think you're in control because you think you're getting something out of the deal. But let me tell you, when your soul doesn't belong to you, huh? you be just like that brother was, you know, caving in. <laughs> True. Because they know how to get you broken so that you have no will anymore. The devil always wants to control your will and make your will his will. Some people live like that. They're not satisfied with you making up your mind about something. They got to have it and got to have it now. Then they don't care about how you feel about it. They'll just take it. That's witchcraft. There was some <clears throat> woman they had on one of these 2020 shows or something like that. And two people were brave enough, I guess, to, to tell what had happened to them. And this woman was, uh, you know, a, a reader. What did them tarot card? Psychic. That's what she. And she called herself a psychic. And she said she had healing powers. This one woman gave her over a million dollars lost her marriage, lost everything. They have no trace of the woman. They see checks where this girl has written thousands of dollars. And you know what she told her every time? I can cure your cancer, but it's going to take more money. Now you, somebody, you sit up and say, 
Well, how could she be stupid? You don't know the ways of the craft. Because the craft is able to get into your soul and take possession of your will. Some people can't do what they want to if they want to do it. They're totally, totally dependent on these people who know the ways of the craft. And that's why God hates it. Because he made us to make decisions of a free will. So that we can freely decide to worship him. Freely decide to praise him. Be careful of people you have a hard time getting away from. Saying no to. Breaking it off from. Oh, come on. You know you want. Come on. You know, come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. You don't let anybody get in your soul like that. As Christians, we don't put that kind of pressure on anybody. Huh? Now, we give them the word and say, well, you know, I believe this is God, but I'm going to let you pray about it. You let God tell you, but he's told me that this is what it needs to be, the word of the Lord. That's no pressure. If anybody's pressuring you, it's the Holy Ghost trying to convince you that if that word is God, you need to obey it. That's as far as it goes, trying to help you. But this business of begging, 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 and somebody (coughs) with somebody's number and they cell phone, 15 times in a row. That's how it starts. Flattery. Can't live without you. Got to talk to you. Got to call you. They don't love you. They're trying to get in your soul. If they can get the key to get in there, get you, get you to drop your will and let them in there, they got you. Hmm? Then you come up to the altar and you want prayer and you start jumping around and jerking like a crazy person because you got something get a hold of you and you don't want, that doesn't want to let go of you. But if you renounce it, you recognize your mistake and you say, Lord, I got mixed up with something I never should have got mixed up with. And I want to be free. I'm sorry that I even let that person talk to me. I'm sorry I even let that person sleep with me. I don't care what kind of hole they got on you. Huh? And don't let somebody get a hold of your soul. <clears throat> the worst feeling in the world, some of these Christians who have lived in the world tell me, is the fear <clears throat> that one day when they go to the doctor... They will get a positive HIV. Greatest fear they have. Wish they'd never done it. But they got involved in it. And it doesn't want to let them go. So the worst thing in the world, and those things can pop up in your life at any time. How scientists say they can stay dormant for 10, 15 years. You imagine living as a Christian with that burden over your soul for all that time? Huh? And see, what we don't understand is that the blood of Jesus will annihilate that and cut it off. But you've got to live under God. You can't keep running back and forth into the darkness, light, darkness, light, because darkness will get you one day. And will keep you over in there where you can't. Somebody's going to have to come get you to bring you back to God. You understand what I'm saying? And so you don't play around with this stuff. You lose these people that like to flatter you. When your mother, you kids, when your mother tells you to get off the phone and they keep talking, you need to lose that number. Just delete that one out. Because if they're going to try to pull you from mama, that's a witch right there. And a warlock too. Because mama and daddy is your protection. Well, I'm grown. I'm out of high school. You still need protection, honey. Against the big witch, you need protection. 
And see, God will keep you under a covering, somebody who's responsible to him for you, like a pastor, your parents are. Spiritual people that are delegated to you, but not your little funny friends. The devil will use them to pull you in, especially the ones that's got problems all the time. Huh? And never really want to straighten up. I call them lifers. They got problems for life. And they want to stay in your head all the time telling you, huh? For sure. And then you all upset and crying and everybody wondering what's wrong with you. You've been bewitched. You got some of the craft on you. How in you, wherever they put it, I don't know. But your soul is messed up with their stuff. You can't let, you know how sometimes at the altar people want to tell you all them details about their sickness? I said, no, wait a minute. Just tell me, what do I pray for you for? What, what can we get rid of? You know, we got all these people here. We, you know, I want to pray for you, but we got to cut to the chase. Because what the enemy will do with people like that, and see, you want to be polite. You want to, don't want to offend anybody. You don't want to cut anybody off. You want people to say their say. But you know a demon when you're talking to one too. See, you try and be nice to an infirm devil with a bunch of buddies and cousins. Uh-huh. And I want you to introduce me. This is cuz over here self-pity. You know, and this is cuz over here death and dying and scared of dying. And this is because over here, insanity. Once all them demons get to talking, you you up at the altar. And you listen to it. By the time you, they get done with you, by the time you get to the end of the line, your faith is not there anymore. So you're going to kill everybody that came up to get well just so you can be polite to somebody? I don't think so. Hmm? Or they want to hold your hands. This is the other thing. I said, no. Okay, we don't know if that's what we're going to do yet. Now, see, that looks mean to people. Huh? Pastor Barton, I just love you. I said, really? Good. What can I do for you? Give my hands back. You know, because they're used to that seance kind of stuff, prayer. Everybody join hands. Let's touch and agree. We ain't touching nothing and we ain't agreeing nothing. I don't know what you want. You know, tell me what you want first. Huh? Hmm? You can't let your guard down, folks. You got to stay under the shadow of the Almighty at all times. You know? Now, if I offer my hand to you, that's something different. Or, you know, people come up there and I say, well, hi, darling. How you doing? And hug them and back up. At this point, you don't know friend or foe. So you got to stay in your right mind and find out what this is. It's come up here to the prayer line. So you got to be on your guard at all times, folks. Now, there was a time I was newer at this, and I wasn't sure about stuff, so I was a little rough sometimes, but I've gotten nice now. That's as nice as I'm going to get with that kind of stuff. 
You understand what I'm saying? Because you are a set-apart vessel to be used by God, not manipulated by people. And not have your faith drained by people's horror stories about how many, or the person with 30 ailments. Oh, I got everything wrong with me. I said, well, can you give me one thing I can pray for right now? Why don't we, why don't we pray for this? And take it one at a time. You understand what I'm saying? So you, you, you can't trust your own meeting and your own prayer line. You have to be discerning at all times. Because you don't know who's there, what they have in mind, what the enemy's telling them. Sometimes people come up there and want to pray for me. Now, I got rough, I look rough enough and talk rough enough. Now, I don't get them types no more. You understand what I'm saying? Well, we got one recently. <laughs> I told Nola to come get us. Nola! Come get this mess straightened out here. This is your job. <laughs> people bunched up here. Just came to see you. No, you didn't come to see me. Get out of here. Go sit down. I ain't seeing nobody right now. I'm praying for people right now. So you have to understand, folks, that the enemy, the witchcraft of the enemy, acts in very subtle ways. You have to stay discerning at all times. You cannot let your guard down on an emotional thing. Compassion is not emotional. Compassion is not emotional. It's not generated in your emotions. It comes from your spirit. Emotion only wants to share in the emoting. Compassion wants to remedy the problem. Compassion is a a soft door with a big hammer on the inside of it to bash the devil in the head and remedy the person of the problem. Now, if I can't do any more than hug you, we're going to have to do that after the meeting's over. See? But right now, I want compassion to work so that the anointing will follow it so that we can get some of God's work done. And you will have people that, that you think like you because you're a Christian or like you because you, you seem to want to help them or like you for different reasons. And you better be careful to not let those people begin to latch on to you in such a way that you find yourself having a hard time saying no to them. You have to keep control of your own will. You must keep control of your own will. Your will belongs to you to yield to God when God wants to use you. That's what your will is for. Your will is not to be manipulated by other people. <clears throat> Be careful for people who give you a rush feeling. Because people know how to put rush into your soul. You know, and thrill into you. Huh? Remember that song? Thrill is gone. Thrill is gone away. Huh? Oh, sorry. (laughs) Put this down. I said the thrill is gone Huh? That's what happens. The devil knows how to put the thrill in and he knows how to take the thrill out. Don't live on a thrill, folks, because he can withdraw it at any time. That is a witchcraft power that the devil gives to his to pull and manipulate people. That's your reward for any, any relationship you have with the devil's people is the thrill of it. It's a feeling. 
And those feelings are generated by spirits that he looses in his servants so that they can share them with others. And when he decides to leave you high and dry, the thrill is gone. And there's nothing left of the relationship. The rush isn't there. The something isn't there. Something's wrong. I know what it is. Whatever the devil was holding you with, he's told that person not to give that to you anymore. So now they can jerk you around, God bless you. (laughs) Now they can jerk you around with the promise of maybe they'll give it back to you at some point. Soul candy. So you got eye candy, you got soul candy. Huh? Thrill or not thrill? So you learn how to protect your soul. You learn how to protect your spirit. You learn how to guard yourself and not let yourself be opened up <clears throat> to different spiritual forces. Because certainly the enemy will try to put those things on you. Try very hard to put them on you. And you have to be careful not to get involved with those things. There are some things when you get around people of the opposite sex, you feel exceptionally drawn to them. You have to get yourself in your right mind and back yourself away and say, no, this is something, this is... There's like super devils that come after Christians that have a way of engulfing you in that spirit to where you really can't get loose of it. Can't get loose of it. I worked in psychiatry. (laughs) Yes, I was a nurse there too. And a patient. (laughs) Bitch, you can't do it. (laughs) Anyways. There was a young girl there that came in because she was dating a young man. They had nothing in common. This kid was, she was like 20, 21. He was about 17. And uh, you say, ooh, but, you know, get over the emotion of it. Get in the spirit. Guard your spirit. Because she didn't have a spirit to refer to. They were both sinners. She was, her parents were very nice, refined, upper middle class, wealthy people. And she was, I think, an only child or maybe the youngest of two kids they had, adored their children. And this young man met her and was able to get into her soul. Pharaoh devil manipulated her soul. She came in because she refused to speak English to her parents. She had learned Italian from him, fluent Italian. She'd only known him about four or five months. And this is how they communicated. She spoke fluent Italian with him, and the parents didn't know what they were talking about. Listen, Rosetta Stone can't do that for you. Come on, y'all. And she would get around him and talk to him, and the parents didn't know what she was talking about. He taught her this. This is the way we're going to talk because I want to see you and you want to see me and your parents don't want us together. So they began to plot and plan. 
she was going to be with him, he was going to be with her. And so the parents, because she was so unruly and acting out, decided she must have lost her mind. When they brought her into emergency room, she only spoke Italian, and the, the people said that's not a made-up, like some psychotic people will make up language that they talk. They said, that's not that. That's the real thing. And so they found out that she was pregnant. The parents had her get an abortion. She got an abortion. She got in therapy. She decided she was not going to see this young man again. And after about three months, not being there, he couldn't come and see her. We had to check everybody. You had to have, you know, attendants there to wrestle people down at the door, not let people in. I mean, this is costly to get your kids free from demons. And she <clears throat> decided she wasn't going to see him anymore. Everybody, we had a little team of health professional people counseled her and she told everybody the same story. I can't believe I was so tricked. I can't believe it. I want to go back to school. I want to make light, something out of my life. She said all the right things. A couple months later, I was going up the elevator in the building. Her doctor was on the first floor. And she was in the elevator, and she was over here, and there was a young man over here toward the front. And I saw her, and I stood toward the back, and I meant to speak to her, and she said, His name was Flavio, and he was in the elevator with her, taking her to see her psychiatrist. So here they were, after all that money, all that therapy, and all them bodyguards, right back together again. Huh? Why? Because you can't get free from the craft, folks. The craft ain't that easy to get free from. You see people who are tied to people through drugs hard to get free from because <clears throat> that person who is controlling them will sell their bodies will sell material things first to go they'll sell anything to keep that person in drugs so they can keep that hold on them people in the craft so they know what to do so i'm telling you and i'm warning you you, don't you put that stuff on people? Don't you ever want something from somebody so bad that you'll pull them away from God to get it? And don't you ever want something from somebody so bad that they take you away from God to give it to you? Amen? Why don't we stop? Well, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for understanding. We thank you, Lord, for freedom and liberty against the tyranny of the devil. We thank you, Lord, that we are men and women of grace, love, and purpose in this earth. And we thank you, Lord, that as we walk in this purpose, we are free from every demonic power, past, present, and future, every trap that the enemy has laid for us. We will leap over it. We will not be ensnared by the enemy. We are free. And we thank you for freedom, and we thank you for authority. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Amen. 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 Praise God. <clears throat> now, the Lord's asking me to, to just do a simple prayer of you renouncing witchcraft powers. Because I hope by now you don't want no witches. 
And you don't want to do no witchy stuff. We have to respect one another's personhood. We have to respect one another's souls, spirits, bodies, minds. We have to respect one another. And we can't play games with each other, manipulate each other. And you can't do that to people, and you can't let people do it to you. So I'm going to ask you uh, to repeat a prayer with me, and we'll renounce witchcraft. And all y'all park your brooms. (laughs) Put them in the garage somewhere. And you boys, you put up your baby, baby, babies. Uh (laughs) Huh? You know what I'm saying. And let's be, be respectful, you know, of people's personhood. Always want to do good for people. You know, nothing in it for yourself. Just be God's ambassador and his servant. Okay, repeat after me. Father God, I thank you for understanding on the ways of witchcraft. And I renounce Pharaoh, Ahab, and Jezebel and their works and their servants and their crafts in Jesus' name. And I speak to you witchcraft spirit. And I command you far from me in the name of Jesus. I will not manipulate and I will not be manipulated in Jesus' name. I will not use tools of flattery, intimidation, fear, manipulation, and uttering false things. In Jesus, name. in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Father, I thank you, Father that, I that I am free from the devil's manipulation, the devil's manipulation and by manipulation by his servants. And I am free to serve you, to do good, to heal, to preach, to lead people to Christ, to be a worker in the gospel. In full power and authority of the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And I thank you, Lord, for the freedom. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Now, as I was praying, I got the feeling I may need to pray for some people at the altar. Uh, certainly if you have a physical ailment of any kind, you can come up and get prayer. But if you feel like you've given in to witchcraft or you've been manipulated or you've known somebody that has, has pushed your soul, you know, pushed it to where they've controlled your will, where you've been afraid to disobey them or, I'm not talking about your parents because you get a whooping. You know, I, it's, <laughs> they can do whatever they want to do far as, as far as I'm concerned. Some of y'all ain't got whooped enough. Huh? Legitimate authority to control you. God says they're done and they can let them go. You understand what I'm saying? Control is a good thing in some ways. But I'm talking about somebody on a peer level who has controlled you or somebody in authority who's taken unfair advantage of you and perhaps controlled you too much. You come on up and I'll pray for you. Amen?